I'm your host Stephen Gutteridge and welcome to Mid-South Moments. So this week we're looking back over the January 28th, 1984 episode of Mid-South Wrestling. Um, this is quite a week in the world of professional wrestling because this is a mere five days after Hulk Hogan's championship victory over the Iron Sheik for his first WWF title all those years ago. So at the desk we have Jim Ross and Bill Watts. Um, and as much as I like hearing Ross's commentary, I'm always a little bit disappointed when the first thing I see is not an incredible outfit courtesy of Boyd Pierce. Um, what seems to have given up trying to make out that these tapings are held on different days as he is still sporting the red turtleneck that I enjoyed so much a couple of weeks back. Um, this week we have the surprise bout that Grizzly Smith has been working hard on. Watts says that Magnum TA and Mr. Wrestling 2 versus the Midnight Express is on this week. Um, apparently this is a non-title match. Um, Cornette says uh, that he got a little eager when he was looking at the contract and neglected to read all the clauses. And he states that Magnum TA and Mr. Wrestling 2 have refused to put the belts up. Cornette says that they are going to have to keep on humiliating them until they finally put the titles on the line. Cornette says he doesn't know what they have to do, but they are going to make the joke champions believers in them. And this is a slightly odd twist on the storyline um, and slightly reminiscent of the Ultimate Warrior and Randy Savage in 1990-1991. And I'm not sure it's ever a particularly good look for the babyfaces to be turning down challenges. And that point hasn't really been all that well explained. So in the ring, we have Cornette, and there is Boyd Pierce, and this is a special moment. We've seen some special outfits from this man, but nothing, and I mean nothing, could possibly match this purple, almost plaidish suit with black pattern over the top. This is an 11 out of 10 on the Boyd Pierce fashionometer. This is what Okada and Omega was to Dave Meltzer's star system. Rip up everything you thought you knew, because this is the new gold standard. Cornette unkindly accuses Boyd of dressing in the dark again as he takes the microphone and says that he is going to introduce two men who have made chickens out of the Mid-South Tag Team Champions and out they come to their excellent theme that you'll have heard once again at the start of this very episode. While they're taking the jackets off, two of Magnum TA race the ring to the cheers of the crowd. They clean house and conjure and eat and regroup on the outside. Magnum and two start to work over Conjure's left leg with quick tags um, and Ross says they have a clear game plan um, and they've been attacking that leg from the start of the match. Magnum misses an elbow drop which allows Condry to escape for the tag but then he faces Im then immediately as soon as Eaton gets in they start working over his leg as well. Watts says that when the Express joined Mid-South he thought their size would work against them but they proved themselves to be a very formidable, formidable easy for me to say team. TA gets caught up with the ref after two gets caught with a knee from the apron and the Express take over. Ross says this sort of match is why Mid-South is consistently the highest rated wrestling show in all of the country. Um, and Ross, Ross basically has always been really, really good at putting over the importance and quality of what has been presented. Um, reminds me a lot of the sort of richest prize in the game that he always used to say to whatever world title he was commentating on at the time. Um, the Express continue with the upper hand on two as both men work him over. T is looking frustrated on the outside as two finally makes the comeback and tags out. T hits two big rights and a great looking drop kick. Cornette then pulls the rope down as TA hits it and he takes a big tumble to the outside. Before too long, it looks like he's being counted out and both members of the Express start whipping two with a belt. Magnum tries to make the save, then he gets attacked with the belt himself. Eventually, two makes it to the outside and makes the save with a chair and they announce that the Midnight Express were disqualified in 5.33. This is a little bit confusing because at the end, it actually looked like um, that Magnum TA was actually going to be counted out and I thought that was where the decision was going. However, it was great crowd heat and the angle continues quite nicely. 
After the break, Watts says that he's never seen anyone with welts on them like he's seen on Two and TA. Ross is at ringside and he interviews the pair. TA says that no one in his life has ever treated him the way that the Express has. Two has two huge welts in his chest and he says the Express will end up being whipped until they bleed. This wasn't the level of the TA promo for a couple of weeks back, but still really good stuff. Next up, we have Mike Starbuck versus Hacksaw Butch Reed. JR says that the building is still buzzing and in shock over what we've just seen. Watt says that we may be looking at the best athlete in the whole of the evening in Reed, um, though he does add that he's very arrogant. So perhaps here they've made the distinction between who is going heel from Reed and Nightheart. Um, and it appears that Reed is the one that's going heel. This is a total squash with Reed winning in under 90 seconds with a big shoulder block off the ropes. Reed's former partner, Jim Nighthard, is out next versus Mickey Henry. Ross reminds the viewers that Nighthart and Reed used to be tag team champions, but now that bond is long gone. Watts clarifies that Reed has said some awful things about Nighthart, and while he does think Nighthart spent too much time on Christmas night in the tag team title match trying to unmask two rather than to win, um, he does feel that Nighthart is the one that's been wronged here, given the things that Reed has said about him. Watts says that his son Micah increased his best bench press by 40 pounds, thanks to tips from Nighthart. He goes on to say that Micah is in the eighth grade and bench pressed 210 pounds the other day. That's 95 kilos for our European listeners. Eighth grade, I understand, is 13 to 14 years old. I mean, is that actually true? 95 kilos, 210 pound bench press for what is a 14 year old? Let's assume his birthday is early in the school year, so he's 14. I'm just saying, I think that's bullshit. I'm sorry, cowboy Bill Watts. I don't want to call you a liar, but I just don't think that's true. Nightheart wins the clothesline that Mickey Henry puts his arms up directly in the air for, which looks a little odd, in a minute and a half. At the bell, there's a murmuring in the crowd, and out comes Reed, and he hits Nightheart with a brutal-looking check off the top rope. Um, he picks Nightheart up and then pels him over the top rope, taunting him as he walks to the back. We have Masa Ito versus Joe Savoldi next. Ito was given the whole match last week against Rick Rude, um, even though he came up short by DQ. Savoldi has a great physique and actually could pass as Rude's brother. Um, Ito is straight on top and hits some stiff-looking blows and a particularly harsh-looking slap right to the neck area. There's a big flying headbutt across the ring, followed by a chop that had quite a bit of air between it and his opponent, unfortunately. Ito catches Savoldi in a chokehold and is disqualified again. Um, the bell rings out over and over as the referee tries to get him off. Um, John King and Mike Jackson try to make the save as Savoldi has blood running out of his mouth. Um, Watts gets a Pearl Harbor reference in as Ito heads off. Um, I like Ito's aggression, um, but I just don't like the gimmick here of him deliberately losing matches with that chokehold. Um, that, in storyline terms, really shouldn't lead to him getting bigger matches or more money or title contests. Um, and there is something to be said for sort of someone that's being completely brutal. But if you're if you're trying to present this as a real sport, if you were being disqualified the whole time, it just wouldn't lead to matches. I I, I think things like that in wrestling, you can you can tell the same story um, without ultimately leading to a thing that just doesn't really work in a, in a true sports sense. So next up, Watts recaps Terry Taylor pinning Nikolai Volkov on the da-da-da lost episode of Mid-South Wrestling and the angle where Watts tried to hang Taylor. No, not where Watts, where Nikolai Volkov tried to hang Taylor last week. That would be quite a turn from Bill Watts if he went down, um, turn heel and uh, tried to murder his new top babyface. Um, so... 
the match that's advertised before the break is Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Brian Adidas versus Nikolai Volkov and Costa Darso. Um, but Darso and Volkov head out. They have a huge Soviet flag with them. And Volkov sings the Russian anthem, much to the dismay of the crowd. This didn't sound like the WWF version, so I don't know whether this perhaps wasn't the Russian anthem. And Volkov, um, his basically array of songs is expanded and he thought he'd try something else new. Um, so during this, Terry Taylor attacks him. Um, which I always think is terrible, terrible sportsmanship to attack someone during their national anthem, especially if you're singing it themselves. Um, however, obviously, clearly earlier on, they said that this match was going to be Duggan and not Taylor. Um, so Taylor's on top. Uh, the, the bell rings, the match is on. Taylor's on top early on before tagging Adidas, who hits a, hits a tremendous looking leg drop onto Darso's arm, which was quite similar to Jeff Hardy's jumping low drop kick into the corner where he, his legs are basically together. Um, Darso eventually makes it out and tags Nikolai, but again, Taylor stays on top. Ross says that there are a lot of awesome teams in wrestling, but no one can match Volkov and Darso for size and strength. The Russians are now on top, um, and Adidas, and Adidas um, as the crowd is chanting for the faces. Sorry, the Russians are on top on Adidas, I should say. Darso's offense is looking vicious and crisp as usual. Watt says that Darso thinks he has been reincarnated and that he lived in Russia in a past life. Now, I don't know whether Darso rang up Watts to tell him that, but that's not something that's been spoken about on promos on the television show. But I suppose it's possible, perhaps secretly, Darso and Watts are really good mates. Taylor hits a decent looking back, uh, decent looking body block off the ropes on Volkov, but the ref is way out of position, can't count the pin. It all breaks down at this point, and there is Masao Aito out of nowhere to attack Taylor and Adidas. Ito chokes out Adidas, Adidas struggling with that, struggling with Adidas before the bell call before the bell is called for a DQ in five minutes. Taylor finally gets some offense onto Ito, who runs off at that point, which is a little bit strange considering this guy um, is supposed to be sort of a bit of a brutal killer so far. Um, so after all that, I went back to check that I wasn't going mad, and it was advertised as Jim Duggan in that graphic prior to the break. So that is a bit of an odd one that wasn't explained. So we have Nature Boy Buddy Landell versus Leaping Lanny, Pop Leaping Lanny Poffo. Um, aside from that showcase match a couple of weeks back where Poffo was in a tag match where his partner Iceman King Parsons was taken out injured, um, he hasn't really been featured quite so much in recent times and seemingly the angle regarding his family um, and that one-off appearance by video of, of Randy Savage, that all appears to have been dropped. Um, what says that next week is going to be round one in the TV title tournament, JYD will be there in person as will Jem Dugan, as is pronounced by Watts, Duggan to the rest of us. Um, Poffo takes Landell down and Poffo ruffles his hair. This is something I used to absolutely hate at school, especially during my years of very heavy gel use. That was probably around 13, 14, um, around the sort of time where Micah Watts was smashing out bench presses of 210 pounds, whereas I probably could bench maybe about 50 pounds at that stage if I was lucky with arms that closely resembled, um, shall we say, string, uh, strings of bean perhaps? Yeah, not not a great physique at that time or any other time, really, to be completely honest. Um, Poffo hits a lovely nip up and then take down. Um, again, it's slightly grating here that both men are wearing very similar coloured trunks. Landell is stalling um, before he eventually catches Poffo with a devastating back elbow out of a headlock, which looks about as stiff as it gets. Poffo is struggling to get back into the ring. Um, and then Poffo hits a slingshot splash, but Landell managed to get his foot on the ropes to break the pin. Poffo goes for a moonsault, but Landell got his knees up. Landell then slings Poffo to the outside, and Poffo very impressively lands on his feet. Landell throws him back in before hitting him with a back elbow, and then another elbow drop, and surprisingly gets the pinfall in 631. 
Um, that's the best match I've seen so far watching Mid-South TV. Um, it wasn't a classic, but there was some good back and forth action. And I was also into who actually got the victory. Um, Poffo's push seems to have ground to halt here, unfortunately, which is, which is a shame considering how talented he is. Um, after the break, Watt says that we haven't got time for the last match, but we do have time for another Rock and Roll Express video. This time set to electric light orchestras, Rock and Roll is King. Um, it starts cutting to and from their ring outfits to them in ring action. Um, and again, I presume there's some trading of tapes between territories to allow these packages to be able to be put together. Um, this is mainly them hitting moves on opponents and doesn't quite have the same quality as the previous one, um, where particularly enjoyable moments with them standing by a car, lying on a car, looking smug. Uh, but it does make the two look like stars. Um, there's one amusing bit where it shows um, each of them one after the other on an inset in on the screen. Um, and basically they're sort of nodding away and smiling, looking smug while they're hitting good wrestling moves in their opponents um, just above them. Um, so yeah, again, good video. Can't really fault it. Um, probably pretty uh, revolutionary for its time. Um, we head back to the desk quickly where Ross summarises the upcoming first round of the TV tournament and JYD's appearance next week. Watts gives us a lovely wave and that's it for this week of Mid-South Wrestling. Um, this is another strong show, albeit with a couple of odd moments. Um, I do think there's a way to do the Maso Ito stuff without him losing. Um, but regardless, you know who people are feuding with, you're invested in what happens and roll on next week. Thank you very much for listening. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do subscribe on iTunes and leave perhaps a five-star review. That would be lovely. Also, if you're interested in guest hosting, please reach out to me on Twitter at MidSouthMoments and I look forward to speaking to you all again very, very soon.